In order to take care of others, we need to take care of ourselves. Self-care is also health care, here now and every day. So it's okay if you don't have it figured out. So hey everyone, thank you for joining us today. We are glad you're here. My name is Rennie and I'm joined by my co-host. Me, I'm Lexi. And we want to talk about mental health and healthcare and how saying you're not okay is okay. So today we're joined by someone extremely special. He's Superman during the night and Clark Kent during the day. What we mean by that is he promotes mental wellness and education at night and saves lives during the day as a DNP. He uses his TikTok platform to educate the public about mental health, which isn't really talked about among minorities. He also has his own self-published book called You Already Won. And we'll put the link for that in our Spotify or our Instagram. So be sure to check it out. So Hey, Dr. Kojo, it's Rennie here. So would you like to tell our viewers a little bit about yourself, where you were born and raised? Um, was there a aha moment or something in your life that made you pursue what you are doing right now? Uh, okay, so uh, first of all, thank you for having me on uh, the podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on with you all. I do appreciate the platform. Um, so I want to thank you all, uh, both of you all, for having me on. And uh, yeah, my name is Kojo Sarfo. I'm originally from Ghana. It's a small country uh, located in West Africa. Um, I was born there uh, and then my family moved from Ghana to Europe. Uh, I grew up in a small country called North, you know, five and a half, six years old. Then we moved from there to Nashville, Tennessee. And then since we've been in the States, we moved around a couple of times, but uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, for me, I've been in so many different environments um, and I've been exposed to so much. So I've seen how people live, you know, in different countries and different settings. And, um, you know, I talk about in my book, you know, uh, being in like uh, the special education classes, because, you know, that's the only way that my parents could get me to be in the, the school that they wanted me to be in, uh, in elementary school in Nashville, um, you know, and helping out students there, you know, uh, the ESL classes, we call it English as a second language. Um, so I feel like I never really had an aha moment, but just by, you know, the way things work for me in life, I was always in positions to where I could help somebody out. Um, and as I grew up, you know, I found my way into the mental health space. And uh, once I realized that there was a need for it and that, you know, people aren't talking about it enough, you know, I just kept going and pushing and, and, you know, before you, you know, you knew it, people were more receptive to, you know, my message because as we all know, um, mental health affects, you know, every single part of our life. Um, so I feel like, you know, I've just been living my life. I can't really think of an aha moment, but I've just been living my life and um, the way things have gone, you know, it's kind of put me at the, you know, at the forefront of the, the mental health movement. Uh, for minorities. So I, I think it's a blessing, you know, just to be considered as, you know, somebody who is advocating for mental health. Yeah. So, um, Rennie here again, you talk a lot about, you know, how you've been, you've lived at many places and have seen a lot of things. And so during, you know, while you were being raised or like during your education, were there any obstacles that you faced personally in, in getting to where you are today? And how did you overcome those obstacles? I, yeah, so I, I feel like, you know, my life has been a series of ob obstacles. 
Um, and, you know, the, the most notable that I can think of off the top of my head is probably the struggles I had in high school. You know, so I come from an African household, you know, where education is prioritized. You know, my parents are both college graduates, have at least a master's degree. So they would drill it into our heads that, you know, we have to go to school. Um, education is the only way out, you know, for African parents. So that's the kind of thing that, um, that's the kind of message that they send to their children. So, you know, I was fairly successful, you know, in school growing up. And then I hit high school and then for whatever reason, you know, I wasn't motivated. Um, I had a few big failures, failed a few classes. Um, my GPA was, you know, struggling. Um, it, it was in the gutter for a while, and um, I didn't get into any colleges within the state of Georgia that I applied to. So that was probably my, my biggest, uh, you know, adversity. And coming from the family that I came from, you know, it's almost like, you know, education is a part of who you are and your identity. Mm -hmm. So if you're not doing well in school, you know, it looks bad on you, it looks bad on the whole family. Yeah. So yeah. trying to navigate through those struggles was, you know, a, a hard. I know um, pretty close to what you feel like, just because when I was growing up, like we started flashcards in math at age three and it was school <laughs> it was going to be like my mom did summer school with us. She called it like her, her own like mini camp with like some of the neighborhood kids um, and school. Like we would be studying for the pre like the next year in the summer prior to it. And we didn't get A's. We were told to try our best, but we knew that A's were kind of expected and good grades. And right. if we weren't doing well, then there was something wrong with like our, our family unit, like what was going on and what was, exactly. what could be fixed. And then it became these arguments of I'm trying my best. Well, obviously you're not trying your best, right? right. Because why wouldn't you be getting the A? So I understand that and that stress and that pressure of just trying your best, but sometimes it's not the best and getting that confusion of, well, is my best an A or is my best just trying my best? Right. right. And, and, and for me, I can relate to that. And, you know, to answer the second part of the question, how I, you know, how I dealt with it, I, I dealt with it by just, you know, moving forward, you know, the same way mm -hmm. I got into the jam, you know, you get into jam, jams and you get into difficult situations, you know, with one thing at a time, like you might fail one test, uh, then, you know, you won't turn in a project and before you know it, you failed the whole class and you failed two classes. So the same way that I would get into these situations, you know, I would get myself out of it by just not judging myself and then I just kept working hard and whenever small opportunities will come you know I would just capitalize on them the main struggle that you know came to mind was me struggling in high school failing a couple of classes uh, and not being accepted to any colleges um, in my home state which was Georgia at the time uh, so like I was saying the way I got into you know my jam my situation where you know I wasn't able to get into any of the colleges you know, that was the same way that I got out, you know, by doing things correctly one at a time. Um, so eventually the opportunities came to me. You know, I was able to go to school uh, in Alabama at the University of South Alabama. I did my prerequisites for nursing the first year. Um, and then my dad convinced me to apply to a nursing program. I only applied to one program uh, and I got in. But, uh, you know, that happened because, you know, I put the work in and I didn't judge myself for my failures. And I just stayed, you know, prepared for my next opportunity. So I think the most important thing uh, that you can take out of that is to make sure that, you know, when you encounter a struggle in life, that you, you don't judge yourself or you don't allow 
yourself to sit there and feel you know bad for you know who you are and, and where you're at um, because that mindset will prevent you from you know preparing for the next opportunity yeah I definitely agree I was yeah. actually just talking to Lexi the other day about how I am super afraid um of failure especially if like the plan that I have right now to apply to you know osteopathic medicine in the states if that does not work out for me I'm afraid that you know if I fail at that I'm not only going to disappoint myself but I'm going to disappoint my family and my parents um and I put this pressure on myself and I just have never been able to overcome that feeling of like failure right And, and that's a very um I'll just hop in right there that's a very real um, feeling and I had that feeling for years you know because uh, you know I because I, I put my self-worth into what you know I would accomplish so if I wouldn't accomplish anything you know I would feel like I wasn't worthy I wasn't you know you know I wasn't anything so once I divorced myself from the idea of okay you know I can be worthy I can be respected I can be good at something without having to be successful at a certain thing uh, that was kind. Of, that was kind of like the unlock for me. You know, you know, I no longer really cared about uh, the opinions of other people. Um, even as far mm-hmm. up to you know my parents, and I respected what they thought, but allowed myself to be burdened by what they thought or what other people thought was keeping me in like a constant state of anxiety, um, which wasn't doing any good for me moving on to the next level. Um, Doctor Kojo, was there a moment or something that inspired you to have this change of thought? Like, what was that, the light bulb that went off that said, I'm going to start not putting my worth in my career or my education and start putting my worth in myself and my, like who I am as a person besides the external things? Like, what, what made that change for you? So, ironically speaking, it was probably after I accomplished all the things that I wanted to accomplish um, <laughs> that I felt this way. Uh, you know, like after I went to school, I got all these degrees. That was actually when I feel like I had to unlock. So it was actually more recent than you would expect. Uh, I mean, it was a gradual process. Like I kept, you know, mm-hmm. trying to focus more on myself as opposed to other people. But, you know, when I graduated um, and I realized that, okay, I've graduated, I've got my three degrees, I have my doctorate, you know, I made my family proud. I've done all the things that I said I was going to do, once I did all that and I realized that, you know, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is how I feel about myself. And I realized that I didn't feel differently about myself before all of the degrees and success. I felt the same exact way that, you know, I still love myself. I still respect myself. I still, you know, think that I'm worthy, I'm valued, I'm going to be successful. Uh, Then I realized that it was a mindset thing, you know, but people have, you know, accolades people have material things to make themselves feel uh like you know i'm i'm doing what i'm supposed to do so sometimes Mm -hmm. i feel like when you're successful or when you graduate um or if you become a doctor sometimes you might let that trick you into thinking that you're successful and, and that you're valuable but if you can trick yourself into thinking that beforehand um, then you might actually believe it, you know, because the brains are funny yeah. things. Sometimes your thoughts will consume you and put you in a constant state of, you know, being paralyzed because you think that you're not worthy of a certain position in a program or a degree. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, 
I was actually going to ask you because you talk about how, you know, you made your family proud and it was a great sense. It was a great feeling to have accomplished, um, accomplished that. What do you have to tell to students um, who, you know, feel that they are being pressured by their loved ones to pursue medicine, but they rather be an artist or a teacher? That's a fantastic question. Um, I, I love those types of questions because I think people who come from foreign backgrounds like myself yeah. uh, can really benefit from, you know, these types of questions or, or this type of dialogue. So what I would say to somebody who, you know, has a passion outside of medicine, but they're being forced by their, you know, family members to pursue a certain, you know, path, I would say that you should take some time out for yourself uh, and really figure out what you want. Um, and that might be like a year, that might be a few weeks, that might be a few months, but it's important to figure out what you want. Uh, because even for me, what I want is different from what my parents want. Now, mm-hmm. they'll, pro- they'll probably brag to their friends like, oh, my son has a doctorate, he's doing all this stuff. <laughs> but I'm not necessarily like like hanging or, or waiting for them to brag about me, you know, because I mm. I'm doing what I'm doing because I genuinely love it. But at the same time, I have interests outside of, you know, medicine or outside of the hospital. So as long as I'm able to do both, I'm happy. But I would not be happy with what my parents wanted me to do. They would like for me to, you know, get this job, work at the hospital, take the safe path. They probably wouldn't even like for me to be in, on social media as much because you run the risk of, you know, legal stuff, HIPAA, maybe somebody making a false accusation. So, mm-hmm. you know, coming from, you know, poverty, you know, they kind of trained us inadvertently to take the safe path, like go into medicine, get a stable job, get a wife and, you know, get kids uh, and just work, you know, but I have passions outside of that. So for somebody who wants to, you know, maybe be an artist, maybe look and see what your, your parents are saying. Maybe they're saying, you know, get a degree in, you know, as a nurse or get a degree and work as a doctor. Um, and then out, and then after that, maybe chase your passions. Uh, but in order to do that, you actually have to have a desire to be within the medical field. Because if you have no desire at all, um, then it's going to be a waste of your time. You're going to waste time trying to fit yourself into that box and then it won't work, you know. So you have to be okay. So for the person who wants to be an artist, you have to be okay for maybe a period of three to five you know, or even six years of doing your own thing and realizing that your parents will say things like, I told you so, you should have never done this. If you would have listened to me, um, you have to be okay with hearing those things and not letting it impact your self-esteem. Because when you go your own way, um, you know, the, the pressure's on. Uh, so if you can find a way to be content with what you're doing and the path that you're taking, uh, then you can rid yourself of that pressure because that's too much pressure for anybody to, you know, to have, you know, the weight of, you know, your parents' expectations or just knowing that if you fail at a certain thing, you're going to hear, I told you so, you should listen to me. Um, so if you put yourself in a position to where, okay, I want to be an artist or I want to make music. And I know that in five to 10 years, if my parents come back and say, oh, look at you, you should have done this. If you can envision your parents saying that to you and it doesn't affect you mentally or emotionally, um, then at that point, I feel like, you know, you've won because you're, you're content and you're happy with what you're doing and you're not really relying on, you know, your parents' expectations. You know, you're mm-hmm. living your life, which is the most important thing. Um, 
Yeah, for sure. I completely agree with you on that yeah. matter. Um, but uh, Lex, did you have something that I know you wanted to ask? Um, Dr. Kojo? Well, it's a, there were things that you were mentioning too about, right. you know, like your parents being like a, a motivator, but also that pressure as well. Did you find that there were any other obstacles that you found while going through school or even now that could have really played on your mental health? And what advice would you give to people like who have like, so besides parents, so if you have supportive parents that are whatever you want to do, do it, but just right. within the school system themselves, what would you be telling like words of advice that you would want to give just to students who do have that support, but are also trying to carry the burden of the pressure? Uh, I would say to those students to, you know, you know, it's funny that self-care is like a theme within, you know, yeah. like your, your podcast. Um, I would say, you know, double down on self-care and figure out what self-care looks like for you. Uh, because at different points in my life, different things have been more important to me. You know, mm-hmm. so when I was 18 or 17, going to college for the first time, I had more free time than I have now. <laughs> you know, so, so time wasn't really much of a priority. I could use my time mm-hmm. doing a lot of other different things or volunteering with clubs. Uh, but, you know, as you get older and as you, you know, get into relationships, as your parents are aging, you know, time becomes, uh, you know, more valuable. So for me, the older I've gotten, time has become something that I cherish, you know, so my priorities will be a little different. So likewise, for the college students, figure out what's important to you at that time uh, and just prioritize things the way they need to be. I feel like, you know, the way things are here in America, you know, we talk a lot about friends and relationships and mm-hmm. people partying and enjoying a sorority or a fraternity. But, uh, you know, I think nobody is really taught to take care of themselves, you know, get enough yeah. sleep at night, uh, work out, make sure that you're being proactive with your studies, making sure that you're taking care of your mental health while you're mm-hmm. going to school. Uh, and nobody talks about those types of things. Um, but we tend to care about the superficial things instead. So I would yeah. say to figure out what self-care looks like for you, because for somebody who has a lot of time, you know, you you get sleep regularly. So, you know, sleep is not mm-hmm. like a big thing for you. But if you're in school, you're working two or three jobs, then, you know, getting eight hours of sleep is something that means a lot to you, you know? Yeah. So I'll just say, figure out what the main thing that you need at that time is. And don't be afraid to say, hey, this is what I need, you know? So go up to your parents, um, go up to your friends, go up to the person that you're dating and say, hey, these are the things that are important to me. And this is the journey that I'm on and I need your support. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're going to be a part of my life, I need you to support me in this specific way. Sometimes you have to let people around you, you know, your support system, you have to let them know explicitly what you want um, uh, and what you need. And you can't do that without having knowledge of what you need at that moment, if that makes sense. Yeah. And like, even just going off of the friends and family and making time, um, this is a little bit more off topic, but especially right. with COVID, uh, how, like, what obstacles or like difficulties have you seen with trying to make time for those support people in your life with COVID happening and even with other medical professionals? And what are you doing to kind of cope with the, the distance, like the social distancing 
and those types of moments to even like check in on each other and just to make sure that they know that they're loved and that like you're there to support them as well. Uh, it, it's, it's been difficult now, you know, with COVID, like COVID, you know, is affecting everybody. There's not a single person on the planet who can, mm-hmm. who can say that they haven't been affected by COVID, you know, whether that's directly or indirectly. So, you know, on top of somebody, you know, being a college student, and trying to take care of their goals and aspirations and trying to do what they have to do, you have to throw in this virus, you know? So people are having to do online classes for the first time. And as somebody who's taking some online classes, I know that it's much, you know, much more different from taking uh, classes in person. So that's a whole different adjustment that people have to get used to. Um, And on top of that, you know, they're worried about their family members and friends, not being able to see them. Uh, so it, it's been it's been difficult, and I think the best way to manage, you know, this pandemic is to take things uh, one day at a time. You know, I think it's easy to get, you know, worried about okay, when, when will it end? What will twenty twenty one look like? What will next month look like? But um, you know, the best thing that I can you know recommend is to take things one day at a time. Like you might have a July that looks very different from August, and September mm-hmm. might look different. Um, so that's what I say. And even for me, you know, I'm not in school anymore, but, you know, working in mental health in the daytime, you know, I interact with patients who, you know, they don't know when they're going to see their loved ones again, because we put Mm -hmm. visitation on hold to try and, you know, uh, flatten the curve. Uh, and at the same time, I don't know what to tell them a lot of times. So, you know, because I don't know what I I don't know what I will do next week or next month in regards to how I'll see my family. Like I have, you know, seen my family. They live in Nashville, so I have gone back to see them. But I limit my visits with them. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not traveling everywhere and and doing all kinds of fun stuff. So I'm trying to keep my trips only to the you know the the essentials. You know, yeah. Um, and also at the same time, I also make sure I'm working out. I make sure that I do Zoom calls with the guys. You know, <laughs> we had a call the other uh, last month, actually, you know, where we're catching up with people, seeing what everybody was doing. So that's that's sort of therapeutic. Um, I started therapy myself. I've been saying I was going to do it for years. Uh, and I just never really, you know, say I, I never made it a priority. But, you know, when I did my budget and I realized that, OK, I can actually afford therapy now. I'm like, there's no reason for me to not go not, to therapy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, which so you talk about, you know, how you started to now make time for, you know, your own self-care and therapy. You know, I have run into um, a few doctors and medical professionals who are afraid to come out and say that they might be depressed because they say that'll make them look weak and that in their job, that's not a good characteristic to have. Um, and I also keep reading about, you know, the stigma among medical professionals itself about uh, mental health and mental well-being. So have you ever had to work on, um, you know, patients or who are doctors themselves or medical professionals themselves? Um, and what could you, you know, kind of tell other medical professionals or, and what advice can you give them, give them right now about how it's OK to not be OK and it's OK to mm-hmm. ask for help? You know, I, I would say that we have to redefine, you know, what being selfish means. You know, sometimes selfish, you know, looks a lot like self-care. You know, when when you say the word selfish, 
you know, it has a negative connotation. I'm sure when I just mentioned that now, you know, you think of somebody who's selfish or somebody who's self-centered, they only care about themselves. But I think you have to be selfish in some regards. And when it comes to your mental health, there are moments in your life where you have to be selfish. And, um, you know, as a mental health professional, you know, I've seen, you know, I've had patients who have been lawyers, you know, engineers, uh, doctors, physicians, nurses, you know, so I've seen medical professionals just like me um, in the psychiatric hospital dealing with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. Uh, so I've seen it for me, I see it firsthand. So uh, I don't need like a, another reminder. Like I have daily reminders of, okay, take care of yourself. This can happen to anybody. So for me, that helps me be more proactive. So that that's why I work out regularly. I watch what I eat. Um, if I feel like I'm in a funk, I try and switch things up. Uh, and I don't, I don't judge myself. Like if I have a week where I just don't have a lot of energy for me, that's fine. You know, like I know that at a minimum, I have to get to work, take care of my patients, um, you know, get enough sleep, work out, you know, talk to my family a few times a, a week. Um, and those are like the the main things that I have to do. So if I, I don't have energy to go bike riding on the weekend and play basketball, you know, like yeah. the extra stuff, I don't judge myself for that, you know, um, because like I feel like this whole year has kind of been like a prolonged funk for everybody. Um, but there is definitely a stigma within, you know, um, you know, medicine that if you have like a mental health condition, it's somewhat, it makes you like incapable of doing your job. Uh, and that's the importance of, you know, what we're doing right now, like having these conversations and, you know, talking about it out in the open. Like even for <laughs> me to say that I go to therapy, I can say that I go to therapy willingly because I don't really care, you know, like, yeah. I go to, I go to work, I do my job, yeah. um, my notes are up to date, my patients are well taken care of, you know, so my job, the patients are good, um, I'm good, so for me to say I go to therapy, if somebody says, how can you go to therapy and how can you, uh, you know, take care of patients, well, I'm showing you right now that you can, you can work, you can go to therapy, and you can excel, so the more people come out and talk about things like that, people will see, oh, okay, it doesn't mean that you know, I'm yeah, 100%. Uh, anxious yeah. or depressed, you know? Yeah, no, me and Renny were even having this conversation earlier today where sometimes selfish, like like you were saying, it's connotated with such a negative, um, like, stigma, being, like, selfish, you know, mean, like, all those harsh words. Right. But sometimes when you're selfish with your mental health, you're just saying, I just need positivity around me. And sometimes right. it means that you have to just cut certain people out of your life for a period or start changing your habits to be the more positive and to focus on those. Because if right. you're not being selfish with that, with your self-care, then what are you, what are you taking care of? Right. And like you were saying, therapy is great because, you know, there is that stigma right now that sometimes healthcare professionals should always just, you know, be perfect, be happy and be focused on their patients. But how can you be focused on your patients when you're not focusing on yourself? And if you can't pour from an empty cup is the saying I like to go with. Exactly. And it can right. give you a lot of insight into who you are and, and what you what you could be doing better. Because, you know, yeah. like this is my first podcast I've done since therapy. And I just started therapy yesterday. So this is brand <laughs> new. Uh, but one thing that the therapist pointed out, because she was saying that I'm so much further along than most people. And obviously, like, I know how things are from, you know, both sides 
But one thing that she mentioned is that she, she said that I say the word try a lot. Um, so she figured out that with the things that I'm good at and the things I'm confident at doing, I always say, okay, I'm going to do this. I did this. I'm going to do this. I'll take mm-hmm. care of this. But with something that I was a little bit indecisive about or things that like I'm not too sure about, I would say, oh, I will try to do this. You know, so she pretty much told me to take try out of my vocabulary and be more intentional with things. And mm-hmm. I had never really picked that up about myself. So that's like another, you know, you know, weapon that I can have to be more effective and to be sharp in my day-to-day duties, you know. So you pick up on things that you didn't know about yourself. Um, I think it's only a win-win. Like, it's not going to hurt yeah. you to, you know. Yeah, I'm going to take actually just something quickly out of your book because it was a quote that went, and I think it goes really well with this. Um, so just changing that I will try to I will is you really focused on, you know, failures are okay because they help right. define who we are and our strengths. It gives us that strength and that um, past experience to be able to move forward with a different outlook. And I think that's the a really good tip that your therapist gave you was to remove the try and to say, I will do this, whatever the outlook looks. I've done it and I will learn from it and it will push me forward or I'll learn exactly. something I didn't know before. And exactly. that's a really, I'm going to take that with me after this podcast and change my frame of thought. <laughs> so thank you right. for that. Um, on a no more problem. like cool fact note, I heard you have your own clothing company. Uh, th- that's correct. Yeah. Uh, a clothing company that we started back uh, in 2017, me and my friends uh, started a clothing company called Abranchi and Senora, which stands for gentleman and lady. Uh, and we use this company to promote mental health awareness. And the cool thing about it is that we were able to get partnership with Mental Health America, which is the largest nonprofit uh, in the United States that promotes mental wellness. And they're located in Washington, D.C. Uh, so we've been to two of their conferences uh, in D.C. Obviously, this year's was canceled because of the virus. Yeah. Uh, but we've got mm-hmm. to meet. I mean, I got to meet random people like uh, Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child. We got to talk to her. She was oh, talking damn. about her struggle <laughs> with depression. Um, and the most recent year that we went, I think Lady Gaga's mother was there. Uh, oh. So yeah, it's uh, the clothing company has led to so many different opportunities. And for me, I started it when I was in grad school. Uh, I didn't necessarily have the the necessary funds or the time, but it was something that I was passionate about. So I just had to do it regardless. You know, I just had to do it and just manifest the idea into like an actual thing because it was something that was in my heart to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, but the real question is, is we're from Canada. Can we get yeah. it delivered? <laughs> uh, so we have to do ship, we ship internationally, so but we do ship to Canada. Well, this is all really amazing, Dr. Kojo. Thank you for coming on our show. I'm going to open the platform up to you so that you could talk a little about where our listeners can find you, whether it be Instagram or your TikTok or your website. Uh, yeah, so you can find me uh, on my website. It has a rundown of, you know, my book, a little bit about my journey. Uh, so my website is kojosarfo.com. That's K-O-J-O-S as in Sam, A-R-F as in Frank, O.com. So that's kojosarfo.com. Uh, and on Instagram, it's at Dr. Kojo Sarfo. And then on TikTok, it's at dr.kojosarfo. So there's a dot um, on the TikTok name. Uh, it's a little bit different, but those are like the main places where you can find me. And also if LinkedIn is something that you like, 
Um, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Is this Kodra Sarfo on there? For sure. You know, we'll actually put all of this information both on our Instagram and, um, you know, on Spotify. So for any of our listeners, if you want to reach out to Dr. Kojo about, you know, your journey or just want to talk to him about what he's doing now, feel free to do that. So make sure to follow us on our Instagram at SCHC2. That's the number two. But until next time, everyone. Put your self-care together. Self-confidence, self-awareness, self-reflection, and self-empowerment. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Thank you.